Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly roundup for the week ending 18th of November 2022. This week on the Green Edge, we're looking at the English free ports. And let's start this podcast by going all the way back to March 2021, when Rishi Sunak was just a humble chancellor, to hear what he said when he announced them in his budget speech to the House. I have one final announcement that exemplifies the future economy. A policy on a scale we've never done before. A policy to bring investment, trade and most importantly jobs right across this country. To replace the industries of the past with green, innovative, fast-growing new businesses. To encourage free trade and reinforce our position as an outward-looking trading nation open to the world. A policy we can now only pursue now that we are out of the European Union. Free ports. Free ports are special economic zones with different rules to make it easier and cheaper to do business. They're well established internationally, but we're taking a unique approach. Our free ports will have simpler planning to allow businesses to build, infrastructure funding to improve transport links, cheaper customs with favourable tariffs, VAT or duties, and lower taxes with tax breaks to encourage construction, private investment and job creation. An unprecedented economic boost across the United Kingdom. Now, Michael, we've been looking at a particular aspect of the eight free ports, which is whether the skills development in each of the hinterlands is keeping pace with the development of the free ports themselves. Yes, we have. We've been particularly interested in looking at the level of coordination that's occurring in those plans and how they relate to emerging plans from those local areas. It's not overly clear exactly how all that meshes together, to be honest with you. We know, of course, that each freeport has some kind of focus. For example, my local freeport down here on the Solent is going to be big in green innovation. And we've written about some of the good green stuff already going on down here in places like Portsmouth International Port. So I found it interesting to compare each freeport's focus with the sector or technology focuses of the surrounding local skills improvement plans. Obviously, you can't draw any conclusions at this stage, especially since the LSIPs are brand new. But you would have thought that they should mesh at some stage with the skills that the free ports are going to need. Most certainly. And in particular, I think four of the free ports have hydrogen fairly central to what they're up to. And therefore, you'd have thought that would naturally link across. And a number of the LSIPs or the pre-LSIP plans uh, were certainly recognising aspects of that. Uh, But I think this just highlights the need for coordination and integration of policy. And so we actually end up with a, a bigger output for our policies overlapping and supporting each other. Now, in the post this week, we've only just scratched the surface with free ports and, and skills, but uh, it's well worth a closer look, I think, Michael. It is. And we need to sort of delve down into the tw- eight areas that have got that and also follow what's going to go happen in Scotland and also Wales, because I think Wales are planning three and Scotland are planning two, and they're taking slightly different tack, particularly in Scotland, where they're going to be green free ports, and therefore, and using the word green in its broadest possible sense as well. So we need to actually follow that up and to see if they will have the impact that Rishi Sunak thought they would have back in 2021. 
And I think the announcement on the Scottish Free Post is coming up quite soon, isn't it? It is. It is. And a reminder, you can find this week's podcast, The Chicken, the Egg and the Freeport, at greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, including Apple, Google and Amazon. Now, we're recording this part of the podcast just ahead of Jeremy Hunt's financial statement. Uh, Michael, are we expecting anything that we haven't been told already? The one that's a particular interest to us is around energy efficiency, and it would appear energy efficiency in domestic dwellings. And it looks like there'll be a two-pronged attack. One is in relation to raising the efficiency of homes, i.e. insulation, and secondly, on a broader educational program to get us to engage in being more efficient in how we use and consume energy, both of which are very welcome. I think on the insulation side, I think that is to be applauded if well-funded. And secondly, though, my concern is around the ability and availability of skilled people to undertake the work. And therefore, we might have some grand target around insulation, but not have the ability to deliver on it. And secondly, if it's going to be a slightly more progressive beyond insulation, but also taking heat pumps. Currently, uh, we have installed 56,000 heat pumps last year. We need to get to the position where we're going to be hitting a million a year. And it'd be interesting to hear if he says anything along those lines whatsoever today. We normally put this podcast to bed around 10 o'clock on a Thursday, but uh, this week we're going to do something slightly different. We're we're recording it in two halves, as it were, Thursday morning at the moment. And uh, we'll come back later today after the statement and see what we can comment on there. Yes, we'll certainly do that. Now, Michael, COP27 is drawing towards its conclusion. What have you picked up this week? I think I'd like to highlight three things. One very quickly, and I thought it was quite clever. Future Learn, an online learning platform we've had dealings with, have been running a real-time two-week course covering COP and climate change at the same time and streaming material directly from COP into the programme. So we thought that was quite an interesting and innovative thing to do. And two other things. One was UNESCO with its Greening Education Partnership, highlighting the need for the creation of readiness amongst the whole population of a country to climate change. And that's ranging from changing curriculum for primary and secondary school students right through to citizens and communities. And a very good speech given by Maria Gabrielle, who is the EU Commissioner for Innovation, Research, Culture, Education and Youth. And she's held that post since 2019. She was really highlighting the things that the European Union has done around creating resources to help us educate ourselves as citizens and as employees and workers in relation to the whole transition to net zero. One of the four things she highlighted was the European Competence Framework on Sustainability which is a good piece of work and something which can be drawn upon if you're interested in looking at skills in the development of skills for careers into the future. And just going back to that future learn course, I'm wondering if it will be kept online after COP27 closes. That would make good sense. And it would be nice if it was updated and they ran it for now COP28 and they do the same again and keep it as a running programme. But I thought it was a great way of integrating the reality of a major world-changing event 
with an educational program, which be, it is openly available to people. And that Future Learn course has been jointly developed by the University of Edinburgh, Learning for Sustainability Scotland and the British Council. So to finish this podcast, we've just come back after listening to Jeremy Hunt's financial statement. And here are a couple of sound bites we found particularly interesting. First, on the government's ongoing commitment to net zero, and secondly, on the UK's need for energy independence and efficiency. The United Kingdom has also been a global leader on climate change, cutting emissions by more than any other G20 country. But with the existential vulnerability we face, now would be the wrong time to step back from our international climate responsibilities. So I also confirm that despite the economic pressures, we remain fully committed to the historic Glasgow Climate Pact agreed at COP26, including a 68% reduction in our own emissions by 2030. Over the long term, there's only one way to stop ourselves being at the mercy of international gas prices. Energy independence combined with energy efficiency. Energy independence, so neither Putin nor anyone else can use energy to blackmail us, and energy efficiency to reduce demand and climate impact as much as possible. Michael, we didn't hear anything specific on Freeports or the other things we've been talking about this week, but overall, did you hear what you expected? Yes, like lots of budgets, it was very well trailed in great detail, bit by bit. But on the COP, committing and recommitting to the target for 2050 and the reduction by 2030 is positive. The energy efficiency, again, you'd expect and is uh, good. Concerns over the nature of the monies. You mentioned six billion and as UK 100 raise, is that new money? Don't think so. It's already there, but at least he's committing for some continuity into the future, which is about probably best we could ask for. And in terms of the work of getting communities and community interests and cooperatives together, led by people like Ashton and supported by them, I think they will see this as a good thing because they can be the independent voice of advice as to the quality and standards of uh, what systems are best, but also in terms of the education and training to support people to undertake the work. So I think they'll be pleased with that. Um, what we'd like to see, though, is greater coherency across the piece and a tying together of his comments around energy generation, around nuclear and carbon capture and storage with the whole green agenda. He highlighted green as one of the five industries for the future, which we applaud. But we need to have a skills plan that really ties this together. And one other snippet I got from Jeremy was that import tariffs are coming off bicycle frames. I, I know of one business down in Poole that we blogged about recently. We'll be very happy about that. Thank you, Michael. A pleasure talking to you as always. Take care. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.